Hello, 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 and welcome to episode three of the Bear Claw Media Podcast. I'm Chris Bolin, joined again by Ben Schleiger. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. How's the how's the new married life, Chris? You know, I can't beat it. Got this ring on my finger I can't stop fiddling with, but I uh, got back from the honeymoon a few days ago, just in time to watch uh, watch week one. But it's treating me well so far. Can't complain. Hey, attaboy. And we got to give a huge, humongous shout-out to now Marcy Bolin. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're the luckiest podcast in the world because we have Chris and Marcy, and she gave a huge shout-out during her vows. So <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, I couldn't help but giving a good little pop at that. That was that was funny stuff right there. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that helped juice the Spotify numbers a little bit. Right? Come on, people. She put it in her vows. We got to get like 10 subscribers from that for sure. I know. We, we got to make that worth it for sure. Um, but Ben, doesn't it, doesn't it feel great to have football back to shift the attention off of me before I get too uncomfortable? Oh, it's so great to have football back. Uh, our good old Bears didn't have a great week, but it's just nice to have some something to watch on the TV that's not soccer and and whatnot. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic to have hard hits, good catches, you know, no matter what, it's going to be a good season. Yeah, there was only so many days in a row I could put on college softball in the background before I slowly <laughs> went crazy. But yeah, yeah, I watched Rutgers Northwestern for like an hour and a half yesterday. It was 24 nothing. I didn't care. Hey, there you go. It's just yeah. something to put on in the background. Um, got to say it's it's wonderful to have some great moments i was able to uh take my mom up to wyoming texas tech and she'd never been to a night game and that was fantastic double overtime they uh they had the the scoring the clinching score right in the end zone right where we were at oh it was just just that magic of college football having that storm the the field type type magic that was fun yeah, did did you and Mama Schleiger help tear down the goalposts? No, no. Mom was kind of like, "Oh, they're they're rushing. They're not. We're not going to rush in the top deck." I was like, "No, Mom. We're gonna we're gonna wait out the crowd. We're gonna finish our Pepsi's and we're gonna let let the kids have fun. We're gonna get in our car and leave as yeah. soon as it is safe to do so. We'll take Snapchats and then we'll plan how to how to get around the traffic. Nice, but yeah, that was. I guess CU-TCU is probably, like, game number one of the weekend, but I'd say that wasn't far behind. You caught yourself a good one. Right? Hey, we get lucky once in a while. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, shout-out to Dion. He uh, figured out how to get his, his boys rolling. Uh, CSU, not so much. Air Force had a fun time with Robert Morris, who came out and practiced jerseys for their coin toss because that equipment manager is probably getting fired for almost forgetting the uniforms. I so, missed that. Yeah, I saw the notification on ESPN. I was like, forgot the jerseys? What? <laughs> like, I, I know he was probably new and stressed out or just was having a bad week, but boy, howdy, that's a hell of a thing to do. That's literally, like, was my worst nightmare as a youth baseball player or, like, youth <laughs> any any sport was, like, I'd be checking my bag, like, six times on the drive or the bus ride to wherever we were going. I can't imagine forgetting a whole team's worth of uniforms. That'd just be absolutely wild. Right.
well, um, kind of more, I guess we've been locally, but more local than what we do here. Uh, UNC played Thursday. Um, it went less than ideal for the Bears, 31-3 um, against Abilene, or 31-11, sorry. Uh, it was 21-3 at halftime. Uh, a lot of a lot of things to get into, so I won't I won't spoil the whole um the whole haul yet. But uh, what uh, any any big thoughts before we get get a little deeper in about that one? Man, it was uh it, it was just kind of tough even before the game started a few days before um the the Tribune and a couple other sources of ours uh, reported that David Hogue wasn't going to be at the game, and it was just it's scary situation. We're hoping that. Uh, that he's okay, and that was just a just a one game scare, but that would have been really nice to have him back. Um, overall, it was nice to see the Bears back on the field. It just wasn't what we were hoping to see. Yeah, that David Hogue news is worrisome to say the least. I'd say um, same knee that he missed the entire last season with. Um, I honestly, you wonder how much he really, how much he's really played since he first heard it because I know he wasn't playing spring ball when Ed Lamb first got here. Um, it's just scary. You really hope, you really hope, like you said, it's a one week thing, but uh, from everything it, it pure vibes base, it seems like this is going to be more serious than he's fine for incarnate word next week. Yeah. I would sure hope to see him out <clears throat> on the field at some point this season, but I mean, with incarnate word looking pretty strong uh, with their 28-14 uh, to 14 loss against FBS UTEP, and then a uh, pretty hardy Washington State game um, the next week where we travel out there. They, they put a good amount of points on CSU. It's probably just safer that we probably won't see him the next two weeks, even if he is healthy, but sure would like to see him at some point if he's able to go. Yeah, and um, the Bears missed him in this one, to say the least. Uh, Kind of, honestly, good transition. I think UNC really had no pressure up front all game. With They brought a few blitzes that nothing really got home, but uh, they, they caused some pressure when they really wanted to, but they didn't seem to get anything with just rushing four. Um, the line was getting moved on run plays, too. Uh, yeah, Abilene Christian just seemed to kind of dominate up front, um, and I'm sure... Hogue would have, he would have helped with that. Who knows how much of a difference he really would have made because it seemed pretty widespread, but he definitely would have, he definitely would have helped. Right. I think the size and the strength of uh, ACU's line just kind of threw us off and uh, we weren't maybe as capable to get around those as we might have thought that we were. Uh, not having enough pressure was, was pretty rough because uh, once they got in the open field, we had we had a hard time tackling, um, and really, uh, Maverick McIver, he, he definitely did a, a great job, um, at navigating wherever we weren't. I think our guys are plenty talented, but I think it's going to take a few games for us to figure out the same chemistry. Um, you and I were talking before the game that, you know, this looks like a talented UNC team, but that they were just already in the hole because ACU... You know, they had a little bit of a size advantage on us, and their chemistry was just flowing so easily. Their guys just had the, the right blocks in the right places, 
everything was just kind of gelling and working on a cylinder faster than us so us to even get up to their speed was putting us behind early yeah um i actually i like two things you said there first maverick mcgyver fantastic quarterback name like right. i would that i would let that kid take snaps for me literally any day of the week <laughs> and uh second I, their open field tackling did just seem seem like it could use some work to say the least uh who knows how much of that was the line just getting kind of moved and there there were big holes on a lot of plays but it felt like every every run abilene christian had went for about four yards extra than where you would expect it to end they were like slipping guys they were dragging piles uh it, unc just couldn't bring down their running backs um yeah the trio jeremiah dobbins jv on sunday and xavier wishart all three for the wildcats had 10 carries 50 plus yards um, none of them really seemed to have too much trouble moving the ball against this bears defense well and if you look at the longs for them i mean i, I know david afari and, and Darius stewart they both got above 10 yards for their longest but um the longest for those guys, n none of that is single digits in that entire box score for the rushing. Um, all of their averages are well above four, even for uh, uh, JV on Sunday. I mean, he, he had 14 attempts, and he was still at 5.4 yards for average. So these guys were just tearing it up, just like you said. The piles were moving forward. There was some like, oh, he's maybe down. Nope, he kept on like squirted out for another three yards. It was, uh, yeah, the, the, let's just say the linebackers are going to run a lot in practice. <laughs> I, I remember being in a couple of games like that myself in high school, and anytime that it looks like there was arm tackles just that looked like wet noodles, y you got some stuff to clean up. Um, hopefully it was just first game jitters for these guys, and they were just so excited to be out there and just kind of over-pursuing a little bit, just out of spot, and that's why we are going for arm tackles but really going to have to clean that up, wrap up, and when you wrap up, drive to the ground, drive them to the side, do something, keep your feet moving, because I think that was one of the biggest pluses for Dobbins, Sunday, and Wishart, is those guys never stopped until the whistle stopped. You know, they're trying to square out to the side or fall even diagonal, get another half yard. They really were just going for as much as they could, and I think when we hit hit the line sometimes, whether it was just trying to get to the line of scrimmage or, you know, receivers trying to get some extra yards, we were just already behind the ball and just moving a step slower. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to put it. The effort definitely didn't seem like it was lacking. People, they seemed like they were flying to the ball, and once they got there, they just couldn't get the running back down, um, whoever that running back was. Um, and like you said, it... It, those extra yards, they seem to make a difference because, I mean, when it's 31-11, there's so many things to point to. But it felt like Abilene Christian got basically exactly what they needed, like every time. It was like third and third and nine, like 10-yard scramble. Um, like second and seven, like slips a tackle, gets eight yards. You know, that any time the Bears had a chance to get like a stop that could have quelled the momentum, could have got them going a little bit. Abilene Christian just had kind of a back-breaking play that 
that like it, you didn't know until he was tackled and he was one yard past the first down. Like they weren't just like going over the top and getting big play after big play. They they kind of nickled and dimed the Bears down the field and just broke their back slowly. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I think they found every opportunity that they needed to, and whenever they saw the opportunity, they didn't hesitate. They went straight to it. I think there was a little bit of hesitation on our our times, um, kind of maybe forcing a ball a little bit softly um, or just taking a, an extra second to wait to see where that route's going to develop. Um, but, yeah, watching it back on ESPN+, Plus, just trying to get another look at it, just looking at it a, a second time, you know, I couldn't remember every play, but like when a McIver, he's he's got a nice big pocket, and you see the space out where when the flats is just completely open, it's like oh well he's probably gonna go there, and sure sure as can be he scampers out there, um, so I think they they took every opportunity that they needed to and they capitalized on it. Yeah, I think I don't know if this is the exact play you're talking about, but that first touchdown they got was like a perfect example of this. I think it was third and nine or third and 11 or something from like uh not the goal it from about the 10 yard line and yeah he the bears are i think abilene had just gotten like a holding on second and five or something they move him back they have a chance to hold him to a field goal after they march down the field yeah plenty of time in the pocket he scrambles out right you can just watch the flat run across the screen wide open <laughs> and he just darts it to him at the last possible second. He catches it in the front corner of the end zone. And that felt kind of right on, right on cue with how they're maybe not right on cue yet, but that felt like a good indicator of how the, the rest of the game was going to go. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we've seen that on Sundays. This kid knows what to do. Um, yeah. They, everybody on their side was well-prepared uh, Keith Patterson did a good job. I think they had more offense than we expected, especially out of a, a defensive-minded coach um, that they found exactly what they needed on defense to frustrate the hell out of us. And on offense, they found all the places they needed to be to make a score. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, next thing I kind of took note of was uh, Jacob Sermon looked, solid like his arm he made a couple really good throws um it didn't really come through in the box score i think he had like 111 yards or something one um, but 103 106 or 106 yeah but i think that i think it was the second drive he had a wheel route down the the sideline to zinicola and put it right on the money maybe a foot out a yard outside he was just out of bounds there's he looked he his arm looked good. He looked a little rattled. Who knows if that was lack of time in the pocket. Um, receivers weren't getting open downfield. That looked like a bit of a problem. Uh, just from the ESPN view, we couldn't see a ton of what the receivers were doing, but there were a handful of plays where he's in the pocket, in the pocket, and you can just tell he sees nothing, um, and he tries to tuck it and run. I think, what did he, he had seven scrambles for 10 yards, so I feel like that kind of shows he was getting moved out of the pocket. He wasn't able to do a ton, ton once he got pushed out, but just the one sack. Um, what do you think about Sermon? I, I don't know how great of a, of a test this was just because 
it was everything seemed a little off from the beginning and then they were playing from behind the eight ball real soon but what were your thoughts on sermon ben I think in the first two drives especially, he looked flustered and frustrated, um, maybe a little bit surprised that things weren't going um, as well as they maybe planned them in practice. I think a lot of his throws down the field were good choices, um, but maybe not good timing. Like on the first play of the game, throws it, it's you know pretty much in, in the bread basket right there, but... It's just a hair slow. He gets some contact from the back. Um, it's a bobble and eventually incompletion. But if it was just a hair quicker, if it's just a hair bit more confident, maybe that's a completion for a couple yards. I think he really did a good job of navigating the field, but he only had so much to work with. Like you said, he didn't have a lot of time on most throws. Um, had to do a little bit to um, kind of move around in the pocket to let the routes develop a little bit. When the routes did develop, there was just such blanket coverage, it was going to be a close throw anyways. I think he did a good job of finding Zinicola and finding um, Ty Arrington, especially on, I think it was that long fourth fourth and nine or third and nine, where you know nobody's, nobody's really got any options, and they darts it out to Arrington on a comeback, and he secures it for a first down, which... I, I yeah, think that first... probably go ahead. No, yeah, I think I think what you're talking about, I think it was on like their third drive and it was their first first down mm-hmm. they got. Right. Yeah, cuz yeah, I remember that third and long on like the the outcome back. Yeah, and it was it was just kind of hard. I think they got super frustrated because what they what they saw in film maybe was was different when they what they were getting on the field and they just couldn't improvise and go from that the third down conversions is really where i think they got hurt the most and i think that hurt their confidence enough to just fluster them throughout the rest of it yeah and it felt like their the offense was like never in a good spot to put like it felt like every time you looked up it was second and ten third and eight like the i don't know if it was is they had trouble getting the run game going but granted Afari gut would get he would kind of juke around it was never easy but he'd get, pick up three yards but then it was it was on second and ten because the first first down was tipped and incomplete you know mm-hmm. it felt like they were never really in a position to succeed offensively at least until that that first like long drive they put together late in the uh, first half um, I was also kind of wondering. It looked like Jacob Sermon hurt his ribs on the second or third drive. Did you did you notice that at all? Because I it did look a bit sore. It it looks like, um, and you said left side, right? Yeah, I couldn't tell um, when it happened. Just like I couldn't find the play where it mm-hmm. happened, but there was the whole game. It looked like every time he wasn't playing, he had his left arm just like over his ribs and he just looked generally uncomfortable I, I guess it could have been like a stinger in the arm but it kind of the way he was acting it felt like he got popped early and just maybe bruised a couple ribs right yeah it's interesting you say that because I, I did see him kind of like they had like a, a close-up sideline view and he was he was holding his ribs and whatnot not necessarily like it was the worst thing in the world but yeah. he didn't he didn't have as much energy he wasn't as um usually charismatic as he usually is 
Maybe that's because of frustration, maybe heat. But on top of that, he might have been a bit sore. I mean, I know the stats column only says one sack on there, but he did get knocked down several times. Yeah, he he was hurried a lot, and he took a couple shots when he threw it. There's one I, I don't know where I have it written down, but it was... I think there was a play in the third quarter, or no, it was. I think it was on that uh, long drive at the end of the first half, where he got like rocked on a third down, oh, and you right. could just you could just see like when he got up. I think he never really like moved more than he absolutely had to, and then I think they handed it off around the edge like quick on the next play just to get it out of his hands. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure if that was the same time as when the, they brought in Hank Gibbs for a for a rush. Oh, I think it I I don't I would think it was around that time. Yeah, cuz they brought him in for that was it two QB sneaks or just the one? I can't remember if they got Um it. Hank had one, but yeah, it it definitely did notice um a, a lack of energy from him and I don't think that's any sort of lack of effort. I I think it was just, you know, between the heat and getting thrown around and frustrated. I I sure hope he's doing all right. Um cuz I'm not sure who would come in second? <laughs> Hank Gibbs came in uh, halfway through summer. Um, Finn Collins, the Arizona State transfer, he came in like three quarters of the way through summer. Um, our recruits that we ha- we had um, uh, Peter Costelli from Troy in the spring game, big lanky kid. Um, his, his he's got a good throwing motion, but it takes forever to develop. Um, yeah. I think we'd need something that's a little bit more uh, fast-paced, a little bit more hitting the the short pass quicker. So I hope we don't have to go to a backup. Um, Kui Kendall looked pretty frustrated in the spring game because he was trying his ass off. But whether it was a, a lack of working with the ones or twos or whatever, um, just there wasn't a lot of good completions in the spring game. So if we have to go to a backup, I have no idea who it's going to be because the the transfers who came in um, haven't been in the system very long, so it'd be a very limited playbook, kind of like what the announcers, they they noticed it from us is our playbook looked a little bit limited, and that's probably to keep it, you know, keep keep in the good stuff for conference. Um, but at the same time, if we don't have all of our tools in our toolbox, it's hard to, hard to go out and make a whole house. Yeah, and hopefully... The fact that he played the entire game down twenty in the fourth quarter is a is a pretty solid sign that it it wasn't anything too major. But I think it's right. definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, see if I doubt there will be any updates about it, but really just see kind of what he looks like coming out next week. Well, and also it's it's a good show of confidence. Is that Lamb knows things are going to take a while to develop. It, it might not come together this year, but he's going to try his ass off to make it so. And he wants to put his full trust in Sermon since Sermon put his full trust in him. Um, there was a awkward question asked by the Tribune of, you know, is it going to be week to week um, with the, the quarterbacks and the starters? And Lamb gave a fantastic answer of, you know, every starter should get that that question. You know, not just the quarterback. You know, it's disrespectful to not, you know, assume everybody's job is on the line each week. But the starters, they're going to get a boat of confidence. Things might not go, you know, as smoothly as possible to start. But Lamb was very good about instilling confidence and trust in his starters and just, you know, being comfortable with that moving forward. 
For sure. And uh, kind of talking about the trust in the starters, uh, it was kind of up in the air, it felt like, coming into this week, who was going to get the majority of the touches out of the backfield. And um, Afari was the guy. He got 10 carries, uh, had 56 yards on the ground. Um, you mentioned Darius Stewart earlier. He was next. He only had four carries. So I think I think Lamb said, or whoever's making that decision, I think Afari's the guy. At least he was this game. I would imagine that's kind of going to be the plan moving forward because a lot like Sermon, he didn't really – I don't know. It, it, the, the Bears' offense as a whole, it never really felt like they were in a great spot to succeed through. And I don't even know why that was. It, it didn't feel like the play calling was poor. I think Abilene Christian just kind of beat them up early, and then they, they were just in a hole after that. Right. Yeah, I would definitely echo that. Is the play calling might not have been optimal, um, but I certainly think there was more factors against us rather than just play choice. Um, with David Afari, I think he showed a lot of grit, showed a lot of good things. Looking at our other running backs on there, I think they could definitely do it week by week and kind of see what they need for their game plan if they want the bruiser back, if they want um, kind of the do-it-all. I, I think they have a lot of different variety on the roster, which is great. Um, I think David Afari is probably the, the most solid starter and probably will continue to be the starter since he's he's able to catch passes. He's able to, to throw down a little bit of a truck. Um, he's definitely got some shifty feet and has good decision-making. So I would say David Afari is probably who we're going to see. Um, but, I mean, with two pretty tough games coming up, Lamb might try to, you know, throw in a little bit, try to get some different looks because um, I think he'll probably be quicker to – try to find things that work in these next two games, uh, especially at home. Just try to mix it up, give the fans something, um, get, a, get it to be a little bit closer of a game. For sure. Um, yeah, Afari, he looked, he looked solid. He looked slippery when he, when he got a little bit of space. He just didn't have too much space. And hopefully, hopefully that changes as the weeks move along. Um, then it looked like we kind of talked a bit about the receivers, it looked like Blake Haggerty was kind of was kind of the guy. At least I don't know how much of that was game plan, how much of that was trust from Sermon. Um, he led the team with five catches. He was targeted more than that. Um, I I don't really know what to make of it because there are it was it was fairly balanced. Lots of receivers got targeted, but it did seem like Haggerty. I think he's a redshirt freshman. Was uh was kind of the guy that that was getting the majority of of the looks did you what do you notice anything with him or just with the wide receiver room in general kind of yeah I, I wish the one thing that we could see um and of course we could go back but it would be painstakingly is just to see um targets versus receptions but yeah Haggerty definitely led the receptions on there with five for 30 um it, it was interesting to see who, who made production and who didn't. Um, Haggerty, I think they like him, especially for speed, um, with him being back for returning and whatnot. Um, having a freshman having that big of a role early is a great sign for our future, is if Lamb wants to you know, invest the young guys that he sees quality and talent out of, that's fantastic. Um, Alec Pell got involved. Kyle Helbig, <clears throat> CSU transfer, he, 
he got a, a catch for five yards. I like seeing the big guys involved. Um, Pell's not necessarily the biggest of the big guys, but it's great to see that he was he was in there. He was our, our one touchdown, which was fantastic. It was interesting, the broadcast, when they were doing like, <coughs> excuse me, the two impact players to watch, they did Sermon and Jordan Riles, which Riles is fantastic in size. Um, he's our UNLV transfer, and he's a big boy. He's 6'3", 200, redshirt sophomore. So I, I think that was interesting. They highlighted him. Um, and, of course, we always have our bread and butter of Ty Arrington kind of squirting out, getting a, uh, an emergency you know, option for somebody. I think it yeah, was him and uh, him and Zinicola didn't really. They were definitely involved, even though the box score doesn't really show it. They right. were in the middle of a lot of stuff, even though it didn't really come through in catches and yards. Right. I'm not sure what to expect going forward um, of our receiving core, other than Alec Pell is going to be a, a giant part of that. Not just because of his big frame, but he's definitely one of those receiver type tight ends that just makes for a great mismatch on the linebackers so i think Pell's going to be um, a good candidate for our leading receiver until somebody has a breakout um, game and we yeah, you know, this was just a, a hard time for anybody to have a breakout performance yeah and uh yeah you're i think that's a great way to put it alec Pell's probably going to be all reliable and then we'll see who who's going to be kind of the down the field guy who might get the lion's share of like the big plays heading their way um but i guess moving to the other side of the ball we kind of started here but uh vincent king he looked all over the the field early um his name was brought up a lot in the broadcast um he was playing he played a lot of edge which i know he's done some in the past but i think he was primarily an uh an off-ball linebacker last season um and then Jordan Napke, they mentioned he was making the transition down to linebacker. He uh, felt like he had a quiet game, but, you know, both him and Vincent King ended with four tackles. So, you know, again, it's tough to tell. Um, I think a safety was our leading tackler, which we were kind of hoping to get away from this year. But but here we are. What uh, Do you any any defensive standouts, anybody that kind of caught your eye? Um. Again, I think this was a hard game for anybody to break out in, especially when you're looking at the stats. Um, there was a lot of try on our roster, but as you can see, like after the top three guys, which aren't that far distance from anybody else stats-wise, it's it's a long line of four tackles, um, three, yeah. two, and ones. The good thing was is everybody was involved to some degree, um, whether that was just everybody getting half an arm tackle every every play. Um but yeah, Napke, he definitely lowered the boom on one of the hits. Um, I was really thankful. I think it was him and 35 um, on that like possible to targeting call, and I was like, please don't call that. That's just atrocious. Um, but yeah, he was in there trying to do his best to, to lay some hits. Um, Tizzy Lewis, he, he was uh, great for us last year, and he really showed out by getting six solo tackles. But like you said, we would like to see kind of that front seven have a little bit more emphasis, a little bit more pressure on the game. Um, we love that our secondary is talented, but 
kind of want to spread the wealth a little bit, have our linebackers take up some of that slack. I think it's a little bit hard with everybody bouncing around because we thought we might have had Hogue, and now um, it looks like King might actually be playing kind of that that half-down, half-up linebacker on the edge. So it, it's definitely a bit of a shift. I think we've got a lot of talent in the secondary, and we're trying to redistribute Napke in a, in a more... Um, in a more effective way because we put Cam Murray, our Wyoming transfer, he was playing corner. We backed him up to, to safety now, um, playing as a free safety. So having him back there um, is a great help because he's great at seeing the ball over the top. And that's where we had a lot of pressure last year is that we had miscommunications with the corners just getting beat long. So I think the shifting of everybody's position will work out um, as far as any standouts. Kind of like this game was pretty even across the board. Uh, it's great to see that Tizzy um, came back and had a great game leading the pack. Just want to see a little bit more turnovers. But, you know, when you got big, strong guys that are kind of outmatching you a little bit, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, I think... You said this was a hard game for anybody to break out or to stand out, and I think that was a great way to put it. Um, yeah, the, they were just—they felt like they were behind the eight ball to start, and it, it's hard—it's hard to stand out when you're just trying to keep your head above water as a team. I think. Um, all right. Well, I have a couple other things, a couple other notes that I uh, that stood out to me. Um, feel free to stop me, like chime in at any point here, Ben. Uh, only two penalties for 30 yards. That's pretty solid for a week one, new head coach, a lot of, lot of change in-house. And you mentioned one of those was 15 yards on that possible targeting. Um, I can't remember. I assume the other one was also a personal foul, just based on the two for thirty number. But I can't remember. Yeah, it off definitely would have had to been. But thinking back on it, it's it's hard to think about it, that. And uh, it's a nice problem to have. That oh, how many penalties did you have? Two. Well, just two. Sure, you surely you can remember both. Actually, I can. So yeah, and um, I was it's kinda... nice that we don't have you know the Oakland Raiders out here. Just you know, a whole bunch of guys who are you know necessarily committed to the right things thankfully i think our guys heads are in the right places yeah i was actually kind of surprised when i saw there was only two penalties because it felt like there were a ton of flags um that's just because abilene had 11 penalties for 85 yards <laughs> and they had a lot more of those ticky tack like holding false start um but yeah, i mean our two... guys are nice and disciplined though and and yeah. as long as they're watching the ball that'll help us avoid uh stupid yards that we're not meant to lose yeah, and that's an easy like that's a good thing, especially when you're not like the when you're not the one of the top teams in the conference. Just being like a tight, disciplined football team is gonna gonna help the Bears if they can keep if they can keep that up. Um, and then Abilene, this is probably just my wishful thinking, like Monday morning quarterback brain. But Abilene Christian did have a couple a couple plays early where there were some close calls. I think, what is it, the, they bobbled the second punt return they had, which was on, like, their own 15. Um, he dropped it on the catch, and but he was able to get on top of it and didn't end up mattering. 
And then the next uh, the next drive, they had, I think it was like a swing pass out to the running back, who felt like he definitely caught it and then dropped it, but they called it an incomplete pass, which I have no idea what an incomplete pass is. <laughs> I am admitting that right now. So I can't even be that mad because they probably got it right by whatever the wording in the rule is now. But those are two, uh, felt two chances early that, Again, like the Bears could have taken momentum, but Abilene Christian just kind of snatched it right back. Like it was, um, kind of goes along with the fact they just they seemed to get exactly what they needed, exactly when they needed it, which good sign of a good football team. So you can't can't fault them for that. Um, and then my last last thing I have. Um, do you remember that catch in the third quarter that they overturned that was like, uh, it was that deep ball, like the post route that like bounced off the receiver's foot and then hit like our safety and then landed. Just oh, on that one was wild. Stomach. Yeah. That one just, just bummed me out if we're being real <laughs> honest. Cause I like, it looked like he caught it, but then I was like, no, the announcers didn't say anything. Like right. the receiver didn't even act like he caught it. And then they just rushed it to commercial. And then all of a sudden, when we come back from commercial, it's first and 10 um, from like the 45-yard <laughs> the line. Yeah, I, I thought for sure when it was going down near his foot, I was like, oh, it bounced off the ground. Okay, you know, good try. Hopefully there's no PI on us. Um, and then it went yeah, back. Yeah, that's what I was looking for, honestly. I was like more looking for a flag because it was kind of underthrown and he had to come back just a little bit for it. Right. I was like, well, they flipped the field position. Well, good for them. <laughs> yeah, hey, UNC, solid field position battle. I won't say they won it because they lost by 20 points, but <laughs> Abilene started a couple drives inside their 20, so the little things. Hey, Hunter Green, he, he was very impressive in the fact that he was our, our kicker and our punter. <clears throat> I was a little worried with that as kind of the 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 scheme or whatnot, but it seemed to work out just fine. Yeah, I mean, kudos, like, I think they mentioned um, on the broadcast, Lamb said he didn't necessarily want to have the same guy doing it, but he just won both battles. And, I mean, at a certain point, if he's that far ahead, you just got to let him do it. Um, all right, my final things, uh, we've touched on both of these, so I won't take too too long. Um, it was kind of, it was nice to see UNC switched up the play calling late in that first half. Um, they kind of went to some more misdirection stuff, a lot of like backs going different directions, a lot of motion. It felt like it kind of, it, it wasn't a magic fix, but it, it got the linebackers out of the gaps that we needed them to be not right in the center of. Um, and that felt like that led to that long drive at the end of the first half, um, which it it was nice to see, you know, after the last couple of years where we would just bash our head into the wall doing the same thing, no matter what was happening. Uh, the, it feels good to witness the bare minimum sometimes, Ben. <laughs> yeah, not having a death by a thousand screens is fantastic. Um, it, it was nice to see a little bit of a switch up, uh, having that, that end around for Afari with the, the two blockers in front of him. That was, that was a good pickup for him. It was nice to just see them trying different things. I know they're trying to hold their water and hold some stuff for conference because conference is what matters. But just seeing a little bit of life in them, 
um, as just a fan in general, not even just analytically. It was it was nice to see, nice to see him get a, a little bit of progress. You know, we want the boys to have some some fun success. Uh, you know, just getting beat down all games, no fun. <laughs> and then uh, it felt like the blitzes. They start the the blitzes UNC would bring. They they got some pressure, but it felt like Abilene kind. They handled them well. Um, they were able to pick most of it up when they didn't. Uh, Maverick MacGyver found his hot route. Uh, so they they weren't really able to get home. But I think that's something to build off of. Um, you could tell they really miss David Hogue. If he's if he can play here moving forward, that. I think that could – it's not a magic fix-all, but I think it could sure up a lot of things on that defensive end, just having a guy like that on the field. Yeah, just having one more tool in our toolbox helps us get the job done quicker. All right. Well, you have anything about this game, Ben? Um, if not, I think we'll take a quick break here before uh, before we look forward – or not forward yet. We uh, take a look around the big sky this last week and then around um, – some bigger matchups that happened in the FCS. Yeah, I think we saw some positives out of the Bears. Uh, next two weeks might be a little bit rough, but hey, they just got to keep on improving and keep on trying stuff, and we'll see what they do with it. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back in just a sec. Welcome back to the Bear Claw Media Podcast, presented by Bear Claw Media. Um, so, Ben, let's take a, take a look at the big sky in week one. Uh, honestly, pretty uneventful week, all in all, but there were, there were a few that seemed pretty interesting. Um, off the top, the one that really stood out to me was Idaho State 28, San Diego State 36. Um, is Idaho State going to be respectable this year? Is San Diego State one of the worst FBS programs in the last twenty years? What is it a fluke? What what does this what does this mean? What did, what could you take away from this game, Ben? Oh man, um, I was watching the box score on on this game, uh, and I was just like, what is going on? Like what, like maybe uh, maybe maybe Hawkins has figured something out. Um, not too worried about Idaho State yet, but that was a concerning score. To only be down by eight to an FBS, uh, definitely don't think this is going to be a hallmark year for San Diego State by any means. But the quarterbacks did have 309 yards passing between the two of them, of uh, Jordan Cook and Hunter Hayes. So that's definitely something to watch to see what kind of passing team they're going to develop into. Uh, they might have had some some uh, line woes like we did because they only had 34 yards rushing uh, accumulatively. So definitely a weird game. And Idaho State might have more fight in them than we thought. Yeah, um, that's something definitely keep an eye on. I do remember Cody Hawkins before the year said, "If we're going to win football games, we're going to do it by throwing the football." Because like every every te- there's already a handful of teams in our conference pretty close to us that they get it out, done on the ground. So um, yeah, that's I mean exciting as an not as an Idaho State fan but if you are an Idaho State fan that's exciting they they were getting pretty rowdy on Twitter it looked like or on X but so that's 
who knows what that means moving forward, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, Montana Butler seemed a little interesting. Montana 35, Butler 20. I don't think many people expected this one to be that close. Um, and it was, I think it was a one-score game late in the third quarter, so I, I don't know if it's enough to really sound the alarms for Montana, but could be looking like another disappointing year if this is if this is kind of true to form for them. I was kind of expecting them to take Butler a little bit more to the woodshed than they did. Um, definitely FCS hit of the week. If you haven't seen it, go to Montana's Twitter. I think Big Sky reposted Ooh. as well. Number four makes the that downhill runner go from downhill runner to going to sleep real quick. It, it was a good, clean hit. No targeting, nothing nothing facetious like that. Uh, but number four just absolutely laid a beautiful, clean hit stick. Um, that was fantastic. I will become a fan of number four whenever he's not playing us, for sure. <laughs> um, and then Cal Poly 27, San Diego 10. Um, again, not sure what that means. Just kind of took note because... Cal Poly might again be a be a little better than than I was giving them credit for. Uh, maybe maybe they figured out something defensively because I don't think last year's team was holding like Sister Mary Elephants to ten points. I, I think uh, I think it's definitely a return to normal. If anything, uh, Cal Poly hasn't been a, a world beater to any any means, but they at least get their their win in this rivalry game. Um, Brandon Moore, um, our our buddy from Mines, taking over a, a new team um, who's kind of already was projected on a downhill slope um, in a non-scholarship conference. I think it's just a tough sledding for San Diego, who used to be just a, a pioneer favorite. Um, Cal Poly might have found something, but I'm not going to take too much out of it since San Diego's already kind of been rumored to be on the downhill and, you know, Brandon Moore will do his best to pick him up, but there's only so much you can do in the first week. No, and you're right. I am probably overreacting to everything, but I'm just this is I'm fine. I'm excited to finally have something tangible to to look at and talk about. Right, it's overreaction um, so Monday. I overreaction literally, literally behind behind the scenes. It's about noon Mountain Time on uh, Monday, Labor Day. So. Um, we're getting time and a half for this pod, uh, but the other we had a couple other games. Uh, Oregon absolutely stomped Portland State. Same with Arizona and uh, NAU. And then what was a few years ago would have been a top tier Week One matchup, uh, but this year North Dakota State just kind of handled Eastern Washington without much without much problem. It was good to see somebody had a worse week than us, that's for sure. Uh, Oregon was absolutely disrespectful to Portland State and uh, Puddles the Duck mascot, who had to do push-ups, uh, you know, consecutive push-ups, so 7, 14, 21. Poor guy. He he hopefully got a, a free pass to the athletic room that, that week. Uh, 729 uh, total offensive yards for Oregon. That is absolutely disgusting. Um, Disrespectful. That's gross. Right. Uh, Eastern Washington, North Dakota State. This was supposed to be marquee. This was set up when uh, uh, Eric Berrier 
um, Walter Payton Award winner was there at, at Iwu. Um, usually they reload and um, come back pretty fierce, but it's it's a bit of a tough time for them right now. They're trying to trying to re- regroup and recruit. Um, I mean, he had a decent game, 23 for 39 for 267 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but there there wasn't a whole lot of offense that they could produce. Um, there was 72 rushing yards for him, but against the Bison, uh, you really have to do a whole lot more than that. So where Eastern sits is they're probably going to be in the middle of the pack, just like we put them. <laughs> nice. Well, um, I think next week is definitely a more interesting Big Sky week. Um, so that's all. That's really all I could take away from this week. Was there anything else you wanted to highlight before we move on to uh, the rest of the FCS? Yeah, I think everybody got the wins that they were supposed to. Sac State, UC Davis, Idaho, they cleaned up shop. Uh, Weber State didn't let uh, Central Washington powerhouse of D2 um, come in and spoil the day. Montana State whooped Utah Tech. It it was kind of a a week as expected. You're right. I... On our last pod, we kind of said this was probably going to be a pretty chalk week, and mm-hmm. I think I think that rang rang pretty true. Um, and kind of speaking of chalk weeks, the FCS zero and forty two against higher level D one programs this uh, this week. No, no fear the FCS moments, but uh, there were. There were a couple. There were some close calls. You know, Maine almost knocked off Florida International. Um, Southern Utah, three-point loss to Arizona State, which is just a weird big sky coat. Like, just a lot of, like, big sky past and present coming together in that game. involving no especially if I'm, like, what we're used to of Southern Utah. Like, them going three points from a a win, that's, that's wild. Yeah, and yeah, we have like three former Big Sky head coaches at Arizona State, and then Ed Lamb, uh, former Southern Utah head coach. Um, then yeah, Marshall four point win over Albany, and then uh, Georgia State beating Rhode Island by a touchdown. Um, th- they all kind of put a scare into some some FBS teams, but. None of them, none of them, quite able to get the job done. Uh, well, and unfortunately, any... one that we'll see next week, uh, Incarnate World, uh, only being yeah. fourteen points off of UTEP. Not that UTEP is necessarily a college football playoff ready, but that's that's worrisome for us because they were already a good team. They had a, yeah. a good loss per se. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough tough week in Greeley, but mm-hmm. hopefully the Bears can come out and uh, pull some surprises. Yeah, um, honestly, Ben, you're killing killing my transitions for me. Because um, let's let's take another quick break, and then um, on the other side, we will talk about uh, that incarnate word matchup next week. See what kind of shot the Bears realistically have. All right, and we are back here on the Bear Claw Media Podcast. Um, Tough week one for UNC, and unfortunately, it seems like it's probably just going to get progressively tougher over the next couple weeks. Um, Incarnate Word next week, who they uh, they slipped three positions actually down to ten, 
in the uh, Stats Perform Top 25 poll this week after that pretty tight loss to UTEP. Um, so th they were leading 7-0 in that game and then 14-7 in the first half at a couple different points. Um, they looked tough. I, I think everybody kind of expected them to be tough, and they they showed that. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see see what they can bring into Greeley. Yeah, looking at at their performance there, um, that's better than we wanted. Uh, not <laughs> not quite as much as they wanted. So really split the difference on that one. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough game for us no matter what. Whatever position they are, they're definitely top twenty-five quality, oh, and yeah. it's going to be tough sledding for the Bears. I mean, this this team went from being non-existent to being put on the map with uh, Cam Ward, and they've been on an upward trajectory ever since. And really, we're going to have to take them seriously because what might have been just a you know just a hardy Southland um, type conference game before is now going to be. Um, an actual struggle. Yeah, and uh, so Incarnate Word, in like the opposite um, position, coaching change-wise, than UNC. Um, their first year under Clint Killof, Killo, I apologize, I have not heard his name said aloud, um, after G.J., Jesus, uh, what's his name? Yeah, after G.J. Kinney left after one season to be the Texas State head coach. Um, you know, it it's weird because they have had a lot of turnover at the head of that program. This is their second head coach, like new head coach in two years. Kenny was only there for one season. Um, but it doesn't seem like they lost too much after from last year's team. Just, again, early one weekend, but they looked – they look tall. They they look solid against uh, against UTEP. Yeah, I I think overall, this is a it's gonna be a tough one. Um, <laughs> DJ Kenny, I, uh, fun fact on him is Texas State beat Baylor, so uh, he oh, moved on and moved up. I missed that. Yeah, so yeah. fun little upset of the week in uh, in Texas. Um, other than uh, Texas Tech, <laughs> go folks. Um, but yeah, it's it really. They didn't have anything too off the charts this week statistically against um, against UTEP. It was just a good, solid performance overall. Um, nobody really stood out too much offensively. They just really they did their job, and um, they did it to the best of their ability. And it was only 14 points shy of, well, 15, of something special. Yeah. Um, looking at it, there's, their, their tacklers were flying to the ball. Um, not a whole lot of turnovers in the game, but just everybody played a pretty clean game. Um, Zach Calzada um, at quarterback was 18 for 31, 245 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So, I mean, pretty decent game overall. Um, just this seems like a well-coached team and a, a well-operating machine, so I would expect these, these stats to kind of 2x next week. Um <laughs> And we'll just have to try to race the boat the best we can. Yeah, I think we're both trying to uh, dance around saying that UNC is going to lose by three touchdowns next week. Um, but it feels like UNC is going to lose by three touchdowns next week. 
Uh, like you mentioned, Zach Calzada, he was named to the Walter Pre Payton preseason watch list. Um, second team all Southland uh, preseason. Um, then Brandon Porter, who caught wide receiver, who caught that one touchdown last week. He had 94 yards, six catches. Um, and then yeah, they had a couple, couple first team all defensive. Uh, they're all Southland defenders. Uh, defensive lineman Stephen Parker, he had five tackles and a sack last week. Um, then defensive back Brandon Richard had. Uh, seven tackles, also a first-team preseason uh, All-Southland guy. Um, yeah, they they have talent on this team, and UNC also has talent, but it feels different. It, it feels like they're just two programs in two different spots. Yeah, it, it feels like uh, UIW they've they've already made that uphill on the roller coaster, and they can they can see the top, they can look around, they can they can know that they're in in a higher elevation than us, even though not realistically stadium-wise. But uh, they're, they're already nearing the top and just need some more components to get there. We're still kind of building the, the roller coaster and trying to figure out how to make everything work so we can even get on the uphill. Um, definitely nomination for name of the week for opposing guys, since we might just keep that going, is uh, Ricky Rich from Richmond, Texas. Uh, sophomore linebacker, six one two twelve. He led the game uh, defensively with ten tackles. Um, he, he was just really all over the ball because seven of those were assisted. So wherever the action was, he was. So Ricky Rich uh, might be our defensive guy to watch out for, um, statistically and name wise. <laughs> I like that. We'll have to come up uh, come up with a clever title for the name of the week. I think we can probably agree Maverick MacGyver. That's our guy. That's our guy oh, for Abilene. That, that one was... But I like Ricky Rich. He, he was a Abilene's M&M of the week. That's a good one to look out for. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh... I was trying to find, I have no cool or interesting fun facts about this matchup because I don't think UNC's ever played Incarnate Word, at least not since they've both been FCS and uh, both programs are keeping track of that. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll put one down in the record books to next week and uh, we'll see where we go from there moving forward. Do you know, I don't think they have any... It's not like a home and home with Incarnate Word, is it? They're not like playing next year in Greeley or in, uh, in Texas. Catching me off guards. So we'll do the, I'm the pulling Jeopardy. Up the schedule real quick. Oh shit! I lied. They are. They are doing a home and home next week. It's the season opener. So I was gonna say it was scheduled the same time, so I'd expect it. Yep. Unfortunately, we will see. Um, we will see them in Texas and, in San Antonio. Um, hey, we're gonna go drink beers at at uh, Fort Collins. For Colorado State, um, hopefully that's hopefully CSU is awful and we beat them. That'd be great to have <laughs> our first FBS win next year, and then we will see Abilene Christian in Greeley next year. Uh, hopefully they take a nosedive and we can beat them too. I mean, I guess looking forward, that'll be it'll be interesting to see year one to year two what the difference is playing both these teams again. It, um, it was nice to see that when uh, when we had our 2015-2016, uh, our freshman, sophomore years. It was interesting to see that across the board, um, especially since we got to have a pretty cool moment with Sloter. Um, this series is not starting off as cool, so <laughs> hopefully we can have a, 
uh, a fun finish. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I mentioned, kind of moving moving to the greater big sky because as much as I want to talk about what advantages UNC might have next week, um, it seems like we'd be wasting our time, and quite frankly, I, I can't find that many. Well, we, um, we love our Bears, but we know this is going to be a, a get-better, sharpen-iron type <laughs> week. Um, if they pull the upset, that's awesome. Um, but we're just going to be looking to minimize damage and get better overall so that we can go play a fun money game on TV, hopefully show <laughs> some talent at uh, Washington State, which uh, next week, Ocean Poet, will uh, will highlight what our mismatch is and what we think of the receivers versus the corners for Wazoo. Um, don't think we didn't forget you, about you. Um, but yeah, this week it's just going to be about getting better. Um, around the big sky, there is some interesting, in, interesting games um, across the board, though. Yeah, um, I think, quite frankly, uh, the Big Sky has, what, three, probably three of the most interesting um, FCS games next week. Um, by far, I think South Dakota State, or Montana State at South Dakota State is, is the game of the week. Uh, number three, um, Montana State, and number one, uh, South Dakota State. Uh, you mentioned either in the first or second pod we did we'll really see how what level Montana State is on if they are on that highest level like can really compete for a national championship or if uh, South Dakota State and even NDSU are on a on a separate level as uh as the Bobcats right like when we were doing kind of our uh what what our thoughts were across the nation um South Dakota State if we if we were doing a, a top 25 this year it they would have been number one by far. Um, if you're uh, talking about like tiers of tiers of cars or whatnot, they're S tier, and there's nobody else with them. Um, <laughs> a tier is probably Montana State, North Dakota State. Um, just the the biggest, um, just just the biggest well, players first of all, and um, they just have so much going for them roster wise, like. South Dakota State, they could have a starter go down and have somebody fill in more than adequately, if not just somebody who got beat out just purely by scheme or just, you know, what day they, they had the tryout for that uh, position. Um, overall, Montana State, thick team. Um, they're not going to be too bad off if somebody goes down, especially at quarterback because they have Sean Chambers, the Wyoming transfer, for one more year. Him and Tommy Mallott are like, dueling um and dueling just uh, like autobots basically like just <laughs> transformers they go from quarterback to runner to blocker um as much as i'm sure brett vegan doesn't want to see that um they're really just iron men of the truest form um uh, at least on one side of the ball not i don't think anybody can see can do what we saw travis hunter do and do both sides <laughs> um although troy anderson he he's probably the best FCS guy who did that a few years ago for Montana State, but overall these guys are fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean Montana State beat a bad Utah Tech team, sixty-three to twenty. Um, South Dakota State beat uh, D two Western Oregon, forty-five to seven. 
can't really take much from either of those games. Just kind of a nice little preseason game. And uh, I, I see on here they have it labeled as the Beef Bowl. Um, I'm <laughs> fantastically curious what uh, what significance <laughs> that has. I'm not a not a prepared to to speak on that, but I think that's fantastic that they have that labeled as what the Montana State I've game never, is. So I've never uh, heard that in my life. I know. Well, that that's my bad for not seeing that earlier, but that is fantastic. If you um, Google Beef Bowl, every single response is Korean food. Just so I, I don't think they've killed it with the marketing on that one. <laughs> um, that that definitely should have been in like big bold letters on all of their TV advertisements for the Midwest. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, this is game of the week for the FCS by far. It's a measuring stick for the playoffs and. Um, Unfortunately, this this will hurt whoever doesn't win it because um, that'll just be one tack against them for not getting the conference. I think both of them are still front runners for the conference, but Montana State has a pretty brutal schedule, so they need to at least perform well and not get hurt in this game, um, if not win it to you know be able to be back in Frisco, Texas with a a good position. Yeah, and I'm a little torn because. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel great to root for Montana State, but I want. I want that win for the Big Sky. I think mm-hmm. more than. We've more done than so anything, poorly but... in the the Missouri Valley, uh, conference uh, challenge. I think we've lost it every year, but maybe one. Maybe, I think we tied one and might have won one. Um, but yeah, it's been a landslide, and just a. Uh, there's always that power conference type talk of you know is it the Big Sky is it the Missouri Valley. The CAA kind of fell off because James Madison went up and is uh, destroying the fun belt. Um, so it's it's been a little bit of a shift, and now it's kind of between these two rival powers. It might be a power three, it might be a power four of sorts, but really it's the top two that matter. And this is you know this is a you know West versus Midwest, you know biggest uh, biggest you can put it for you know the beginning of the year. Yeah, um, I think that'll be nice. We leave uh, leave Nottingham after watching Incarnate Word just run over the Bears, and then we can we can go back to to one of our houses or a bar or something and and watch a good football game. So that one kicks off at five, I think. So come on, we we might do well at the rushing defense. They might just pass over us. <laughs> I'm I'm leaning hard into the reverse jinx. So hopefully that'll help a little bit. There we go. Um, but. I think this probably the second best game in the FCS is also uh, Big Sky uh, Weber State number third. Well, they were number thirteen. What are they now? Number twelve moved up one. Um, they're going to Northern Iowa number twenty one. That's the only other other top twenty five matchup in the FCS, uh, and I think it'll be Mickey Mantle's first test as the head coach there at Weber State. Really see see what the Wildcats are made of this year because they have they have a pretty easy in-conference schedule but but they'll get a get a good test out of conference first right and like we were talking about um they're probably one of the the teams that suffered the most with the coaching change just because Jay Hill had them to such a dominant position um over everybody else in the conference with them going against UNI UNI is a very roller coaster type team 
in the sense that sometimes they're, you know, a quarterfinal worthy team, and sometimes they're just squeaking into the playoffs, and they're barely, uh, barely somebody who should have made it. They were probably one of the last ones in. So Weber State needs to not let this be a trap game, even though it's on the road. Um, if they want to make their run and try to dethrone um, Montana State, they're going to have to go in and, and take this one. And if they add this to their resume, that's that's great. Um, I mean, out-of-conference isn't end-all, be-all, but it definitely gives you a leg up at the end of the year when the committee's looking at stuff. With a 35-10 to win over Central Washington, who's a bit of a D2 powerhouse, that's a good sign. Um, but they're going to have to work hard for it. These are two gritty teams. Um, and I, I think... Uh, Remind me, I think Theo Day is a quarterback for you um, and I, and I think he's been on several watch lists. So it might be a bit of can. Um, yeah, hero uh, preseason All-American. Yep. At quarterback. Yeah, so he's probably one of the the top oh. top quarterbacks across the FCS. So is he going to throw all over Weber and get past him, or is Weber going to grit it out with? some tough running and I'd, I'd like to say Weber's going to win it, but with Theo Day's rise to, you know, rise to potential stardom, it has me a little bit worried for them. Yeah, that one, that one's definitely one to keep an eye out on. Um, another, I mean, all these early season games are just good measuring sticks to really see where these teams are at. Um, and good example of that, uh, number I didn't. I wrote down all the where everybody was ranked before they changed before they updated them this morning. Um, number seven, Idaho, up one spot also um, at Nevada, which is one of, if not the best chance of an FCS over FBS upset next week, I think. And um, it's the first of two in a row that seem winnable FBS games because Idaho's at Cal next week. Um, so it'd be good good test to see how good these Idaho Vandals are because I think they're getting a lot of love and a lot of preseason polls, especially the media thinks they're they're ready to take that next step up to like one of the top tier teams, um, and getting even splitting even two close losses against two FBS teams I think can go a long way. Right, and I, I think you had some reservations about. You know, what, what kind of team are we going to see out of them since um, some of their starters are pretty young and um, they're banking on, on that young talent to carry them. Um, even though it did work one year, we've we've seen people get film and it go a completely different way the next year. Um, that looks like a great opportunity for Idaho to capitalize on it. I mean, Nevada lost 66-14 to to USC. I don't think USC is necessarily a barn burner, but for them to be able to put up 66, that's, yeah. They they got one surprise touchdown in the first and probably a garbage time touchdown in, in the fourth. So Idaho has a good chance there. Um, they just need to keep composure. They didn't beat Lamar as much as the Tubbs of the Clubs guys would have wanted, but I think it was still a solid showing. Did you listen to that that uh, episode they put out, the live reaction? No, I I, I missed that. But Brian Marceau, Marceau knows that 
you know, anytime they do something, I'll I'll get to it. Just might be later in the week. <laughs> I know I also have not listened yet, but I was I was curious on what they had to say. Um, but yeah, I guess the last game that I wrote down here is uh, UC Davis, uh, number fifteen, also up one spot. That seems to be a theme. These FCS pulls. Uh, they're at Oregon State. Um, I don't think there's much to really talk about there. I am pretty high on Oregon State this year, but it'll it'll be interesting. See see what uh, Dan Hawkins can do do up in. I don't even Corvallis. Is that where is that where Oregon State is? I'm just gonna not say because I don't know. Even though I already yeah. just said. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, Oregon should be Eugene, so Corvallis yeah. is right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Idaho State does take on Utah State, which Baby Hawkins had a good good showing this week. So maybe they get you know something we need to think about. Yeah, maybe they get (laughs) just a little bit closer. So that could be interesting. Uh, Eastern at Fresno State, I don't think will be too interesting, but at least they get some good money out of the deal. Um, Montana at Utah Tech. I mean Montana State just whooped the crap out of them this week i'm pretty sure uh it'll just be a treat for st george to see university of montana in there um texas a.m commerce going to to sac state uh that's kind of interesting one we talked about like just new up-and-coming fcs teams i don't think they have enough firepower to take on sac state uh, especially since sac state put down Nichols pretty well last week and that's probably about the about the the top tier of what AM Commerce can shoot for right now, being a, a transitional team, uh, but that that'll be a, a night game, so maybe that'll be interesting. And then the other ones are Northern Arizona at North Dakota. I think that's a bit of a coin flip. North Dakota probably takes it out since they're the home team. Cal Poly yeah, at San Jose. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I feel fairly confident in North Dakota in that game, but yeah. I, but you're right. There, there is a chance. I probably did, I probably did rule NAU out of that a little too easily. I think it's strength versus speed in that one, and I just don't believe in the offensive game plan of NAU all that much. I mean, they did play a FBS opponent the last week, but only putting three points on them it doesn't speak volumes for that you know, changing their future. Cal Poly at San Jose State, that will be nice money for Cal Poly. So good for them collecting a check. Probably don't have to drive very far. That's right. Nice. Uh, Portland State, bless their hearts. Um, they go to Laramie. So uh, they'll get to check out Laird Ice and see that it's a, a cute little 20,000-person town in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, yeah, they're collecting a check on that one, and, uh, hopefully their their hearts hurt a little less this week, but their pockets are fuller. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, it, that's all the Big Sky. There's, like I said earlier, the Big Sky probably has three of the most exciting FCS games this week, if not like two of the most or two of the three. However you wanna, however you wanna rank them, the Big Sky probably has the most marquee matchups. With that. Uh, Montana State and then Weber State game. Um, a couple other ones that seemed interesting to me. Number five, Holy Cross at Boston College. Um, let me make sure Holy Cross is still number five. Yeah. Uh, 
Boston College, I think, is going to be bad. They may be one of the worst FBS programs this year. So I think that's actually a pretty solid opportunity for Holy Cross to, to pick up a, a W there. Um, Furman at South Carolina, that one, I don't have, I'm not holding my breath about that. Um, what, what other games? North Dakota State plays Maine. Um, Maine put up a good fight last week. I, I'm kind of str- struggling to find real marquee matchups. Are there, are there anything that interests, interests you looking forward to just the greater FCS this week? Um, looking through, I think Holy Cross, Boston College, like you said, that that should be a good chance for us to be able to get a, a fear the FCS moment. Um, looking around, there's going to be some rough ones, like Youngstown State <laughs> goes to Ohio State, bless their hearts, uh, Delaware to Penn State. Again, hope everybody stays healthy. Um, Looking through, I'm not seeing a whole bunch of necessarily, I mean, Clemson and and Charleston Southern. Um, Richmond plays um, Michigan State, which might be interesting only for the fact that they were 18th to start the season and are probably going to go 0-2, just kind of what that means for them like mentally how because like even if they are a good team and they just had a bad week one bouncing back from 0-2 with a group of 18 to 22 year olds it's it's probably going to be tough to get that buy-in if if you lose it up front right uh southern utah at byu that might be interesting since they had a uh pretty good showing against arizona state uh campbell citadel that should be interesting for our uh friend Kevin over at FCS fans, uh, over at FCS radio. Um, that's, that's two pretty good teams going against each other. Uh, one that has some local connections to us is, uh, Colorado Mesa goes to San Diego. So, uh, Brandon Moore will have to figure out how to regroup his, uh, his San Diego team to be able to take on the Mavericks uh, hopefully he doesn't lose that game because that would be horribly embarrassing. But um, Mesa, you know, I think you got a at least a fighting chance for the first half. Yeah, um, it'll be an interesting week. I there's a few big matchups that I'm really looking forward to. Even if even if there aren't like a ton of of great games littered across the schedule. Um, yeah, I think there's there some any... interesting measuring stick games like Wofford, William and Mary, uh, NC Central, NC A and T. I mean, there, there's definitely some interesting ones, but all eyes are definitely going to be towards Montana State, South Dakota State. Yeah, yeah, I and I think it's. I'm just excited to get more, like more stuff to watch under my belt, for lack of a better term. You know. It's it's hard, right. like in August, like trying to talk about what these teams are going to be um, when there's so much turnover and so much, so much up in the air that changes every off season. So it's it's nice to actually have some tangible games and tangible like results under our belt to be able to pull from. So I'm especially excited about that uh, Montana State SDSU game, but it's good. Like we started. It's just great to have football back. Oh, definitely. The TV, there's always something to put on the TV on the weekends. It's phenomenal. 
Something interesting that'll be on uh, Sunday is probably one of the longest uh, Division One entirely um, road trips that you could take is Albany travels to Hawaii. Um, I think I heard something, but that's crazy. However, that game got booked. I'm like, that's fantastic because the Albany players get to be in Hawaii for a day or two. Um, but man, that would be awful traveling to it. I think maybe the only one worse might be Maine. Maine, Rhode Island? <laughs> Maine might as well just go the other direction, you know? Like, don't even go through L.A. Just just go the yeah, other go way. Yeah, go stop in Europe, have, have some uh, <laughs> some lunch, you know, get there eventually. Yeah, that's, um, that's awful travel, and uh, hopefully they have some fun seeing Hawaii if they've never seen it before. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, well, I think that's all I have, Ben. Is there any, any closing thoughts, uh, pieces of wisdom you would like to impart on us before we leave? Um, my only, only thing, uh, Nathan Louis Brand, again, I hope I'm not butchering your last name. Um, we're trying to get some top 25 talk in, um, and I think it'll, it'll really come together as the season kind of unfolds and we really see who the top dogs are and, and where these top 25 polls like should be sitting. Yeah. Right now the, the out of conference stuff is kind of like the hunger games, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of brutality out there and a lot of competition we won't usually see. So once it gets to conference games, we'll start to see a little bit more nor- normality and be able to measure the sticks even further, more detailed. Um, but yeah, as always, go Bears, but, um, you know, maybe go Bears with a beer this week, just just for uh, uh, a yeah. peace of mind and peace of soul. Maybe crack that open at kickoff, just so you have, you're have you ready. It's like taking the Tylenol when you wake up hungover at 6 a.m., so <laughs> so by the time, like, 8 a.m. comes, you don't feel terrible. Get that, get that first beer in your belly before the game starts maybe a couple right. at the tailgate and enjoy enjoy your saturday yeah bring bring double lunch money this time get a hot dog before the game and during the game just to <laughs> you know lighten your spirits but uh it, it'll be great to have football at nottingham it's just going to be um it's going to be interesting having such a, a high tier team in here before i think outside of this the the highest we've had we've had some conference opponents um, in the teens before, um, one or two, um, you know, single-digit conference opponents. So it's great to have a good team in Nottingham. Um, we're just sad it's well, not the Bears. Don't, uh, don't get ahead of yourself yet, Ben. Uh, Incarnate Word dropped down to number 10, so we still, ah, we still got one in the Damn. coming. <laughs> They're not that special. <laughs> But awesome. Uh, I think that'll do it for us here. Again, thanks for listening. Please, um, feedback, anything you want to see, please tell us. Like, I, I want to hear what y'all have to say, what you like, what you don't like. Um, please give us notes because we're kind of flying flying blind a little bit and want to know, uh, know what y'all want to hear. So appreciate you listening. Um, for Bear Claw Media, I am Chris. Joined by Ben as always, and we will talk to you next week.